Hey, everybody. We have a very special episode for you today. It's a collaboration episode between Apples and Genos and Sports Ethos. Mm, think about that. All right. What an insane week of trades. And with the deadline passing today, we need to dissect all these trades and their fantasy implications. I've got a special guest host with me today to discuss all of that and more. You know, we got to get the biz. You're listening to Apples and Genos and Fantasy NHL today. Welcome in, everybody. This is Fantasy NHL Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. You got to check out sport, sportsethos.com. I'm tripping over my words for all your fantasy needs. Okay, they got all kinds of stuff over there. You got uh, hockey, which I'm doing. They've got uh, some baseball content that's come out now. And uh, um, actually, I'd like to promote that a little bit um, while we're on here. They've got a new draft guide for um, MLB. It's a, it's a really nice piece of work. You can get it individually for $9.99. Um, definitely go check that out. Again, sportsethos.com. You get your yams in there. All right, and check it out. All right. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Blake Creamer. This is Fantasy NHL Today, as I said. Uh, please follow me on Twitter, at Blake Creamer SE. I'm tweeting my brains out on the daily, all right? And it feels good. Okay, also, Fantasy NHL Today has a Discord. We're, we're dipping our toes in the Discord water. Uh, it's in its infancy, all right? But uh, we are got, we've got some people in there. We've got some chat going on. Um, lots to talk about, obviously. That's uh, why we're doing this special show here today. But yeah, the link is in the description. Now let's get to biz. Today is a special day, all right? Well, it was actually a boring day, okay? But the week was very special, all right? We retreated to a ludicrous amount of significant trades, and we need to sort through the rubble that are these NHL rosters, all right? And I looked, and I knew there was too many trades for me to analyze on my own, and I just knew I needed a co-host, you know what I mean? And I thought... Who is the most legendary person I could get? Who's who is just an absolute unit that that can just bring bring the heat? All right. And I landed on this man right here. He needs no introduction, but I will anyway, because I'm a professional. My guest host is Nate Krutniblik, creator of Apples and Geno's fantasy hockey and contributing writer with Yahoo Fantasy Sports. Nate, how are we feeling today? There's no mustache like my father's mustache. That's the biggest mustache in town. I think we're feeling pretty good. This has been quite the week. There is so much to talk about, so many implications for fantasy. I'm pretty jazzed up. It's been, yeah, it's been a hell of a week, and I'm excited about it. This is, yeah, I have never seen anything like this. And and this is, you know, my first year with this podcast here, Nate, and um, you know, I, I, I like to say this is my first year air quotes covering the NHL and what the hell is going on? Oh my God. I don't remember any trade deadlines being this kind of fun, you know, and this is really the first year where I've been going crazy on Twitter too. So I got all my notifications on and my phone's just going off. Has that sort of been your experience too? Absolutely. Yeah. I saw one tweet that somebody had, I don't want to misquote it, but it was something along the lines of. Uh, the average NHL trade deadline over the past five years or so had been like 20 trades or something. And by Tuesday this week, we had 43 or something like that. It was something ridiculous like that, just far and above any other trade deadline we've had in recent memory. It was just quite the whirlwind all the way from basically Monday. Yeah. 
And and even go back to the Horvat trade. I mean, these aren't dinky yeah. little trades that are happening. These are like significant pieces are being moved. Um, so that's, you know, it's it's pretty rough, like trying to analyze, but it's it's also just so fun, you know, trying to just giving your initial impressions and and then checking out. It's like homework, you know what I mean? You watch these box scores, yeah. you're like, okay, what's the deployment? Who's playing with who? Who's got the power play? And and that's all I've been doing for like the past week and a bit, and I've just been loving it. So, um, yeah, anyways, Nate, um, if you didn't know, uh, listeners to Fantasy NHL Today, Nate and I uh, do a podcast on Sunday nights on Apples and Genos. Uh, we talk about, you know, players that are, are, are hot and players that are, you know, not so hot. And... Um, we give some analysis there. Nate is, uh, you know, a master uh, at kind of analyzing advanced statistics. And I've learned so much from from working with Nate here. And that's why I thought I'd bring him on this show, just to just bring the value value to these listeners here. So, um, Nate, while we got you, why, I'd like to just kind of plug your, you know, your Twitter, your Discord and all that stuff. So I'll just toss it to you there. Yeah, sure. Um, the Twitter handle is at AppleSGinos, A-P-P-L-E-S-G-I-N-O-S. Pretty sure I hit that right. The Discord, yeah, if you go into the Twitter bio, you'll see a link there. It's a link tree. It's got all the links that you could possibly want for all Apples and Genos content. So, yeah, if you're interested in joining the Apples and Genos Discord, there's a Patreon link there as well. I do some um, kind of subscriber-level articles for waiver wire pickups and stuff like that as well. If you're interested in any, in any of that, then probably the best way to do it is to head over to Twitter and check out the link in the bio, and you'll see whatever you want to see in there. There you go. And and Nate also offers a – It's you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of the girlfriend experience, but it, obviously Nate offers a fantasy friend experience, all right? You pay an extra $5, and Nate will be your friend. That's what I did, right, Nate? And, and now we're friends. Isn't that right? You know what? I think we're going to be friends. <laughs> That's pretty much how it works, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really good service. Yeah, I've, I feel you know, it's it's just nice to have a friend, and you know, especially one that's so good at fantasy hockey. You know, that's that's <laughs> where I'm at with that. Uh, and before I move on, just just another thing, definitely get over into that Apples and Genos Discord. It's much more established than mine. I'd like you to be in mine as well, but um, the Apples and Genos Discord, there's so much good conversation going on in there. And then just like Nate said, there's um, you know, he's he's in there answering questions. Um, there's some other content creators from Apples and Genos that are in there uh giving their their takes on everything so it's just a great place if you're serious about fantasy hockey you got to get in there all right stop messing around all right you're hurting my feelings all right get in there all right nate before we move on to the trades i know we got to get in there but um just what you know with this trade deadline and everything i just want to know kind of what's your general thoughts on all this and and do you think these kind of trades are good good for fantasy or is this something you look forward to or is this like oh geez like what the hell you know now i it's like my (laughs) workload just tripled yeah, there's a little bit of that for sure. Uh, it's definitely exciting uh, because there's always a few guys at, that move at the trade deadline that pop off, right, in their new place. Like Claude Giroux last year went to Florida and popped off there. Um, you can think of Sam Bennett. Miles Bennett Dyson. Popped off when he went there the year before. There's always a few guys that make a move at the trade deadline and for whatever reason they weren't happy where they were or whatever happens something clicks for them in the new spot and they absolutely go off and they're yeah it always happens at this time of year for us in fantasy right heading into our fantasy playoffs right and so it's really exciting if you can get in on somebody like that who people were kind of valuing at one place and now all of a sudden they've just 
yeah, gone up the escalator to an entirely different level. So that part's always exciting. But the one thing that I always try to remember for myself and try to temper my own excitement is that the vast majority of these times, like, it's a tough thing to go some go to a new city mid-season like these players are human beings right they're going to a new city they're experiencing a whole new set of teammates they're trying to yeah they're going to a new workplace trying to incorporate themselves into what's an already established locker room usually if it's a good player that's gone to a new team then they're going to a team that's already pretty good and probably a team that uh is already pretty established in their ways and feels like they've got a good handle on winning and stuff like that. And they've got to try to figure out how they fit into that, um, that kind of scenario. So one thing I always try to temper my own excitement with is just to remember that for a fair number of these guys, it's actually probably going to be a slight net negative and you just got to, yeah, temper your own excitement. Don't get too excited about all these big moves and expect that just because, you know, Patrick Kane went to play with Artemi Panarin, who was his biggest friend back in Chicago like three or four or five years ago. I don't know how long ago it was now, but just because that worked so long ago doesn't mean that's instantly going to be all roses and everybody in New York is just going to light the lamp six times a night from here on out. Yeah, I don't think I could have said that better. Um, I totally agree. I feel like these players that are going to new teams, they're going as supplementary pieces, you know what I mean, to a team that's already Mm -hmm. established, as you said. So I think in a lot of cases, and some of these players we'll talk about here today, they're going from a situation where they were the top dog, and now they're going to a team where they're a supplementary piece, maybe, you know, top six, but their minutes might be cut, you know, and, and like you said, they're, they're brand new to the system, to the teammates, like that's a lot of change and a lot of things have to go right. So um, I think in fantasy, you always want league winners, don't you? You want to, you want to be the one to mm-hmm. get that league winner and, you know, um, to take you over the top. Right. But in my experience, I feel like this trade deadline does not equal league winners. It equals supplementary pieces, right? We need to extract value and that's what we're here to kind of help you do. So, with that all said, we're going to get the biz. All right, we do that. We get the business here on the regular, right, Nate? Absolutely. Sweet. All right. What a foil. What a foil Nate is on this podcast. <laughs> I love that. Just yin and yang. We we know what's going on, right, buddy? Absolutely, we do. There you go. That's fine. All right. Cool. So uh, we are not going to dissect every little dinky trade that happened today. There's there's a bunch of picks that went. There's some, you know, fringe players that went depth pieces to, you know, good players in reality, but players that maybe aren't as relevant for fantasy. So we want to try and keep this short and sweet. Uh, And I say that as we're ten and a half minutes into the podcast and we haven't talked about a damn thing. But, uh, you know, it's hopefully it's been entertaining for you at the very least. Anywho, let's get into these trades, all right? We're going to talk about the ones uh, um, that are relevant to your fantasy rosters. And I, re- I really want to try and hit on, you know, who benefits from these trades and who loses value. That's kind of where we're at. We're going to just go down a list of players that we think are interesting. And then at the very end, definitely stick around for that because I'm going to give you, you know, my, my must-add players, you know, based on the trade deadline. And Nate is going to throw a couple in there as well. Just a bunch of league winners right there. We're, we're just going to give you league winners, all right? Guaranteed to work 14% of the time, all right? Oh, people can come up with statistics to prove anything, Kent. 40% of all people know that. That's, that's guaranteed, book it, all right? Yeah, book it. Okay, here we go. So uh, without further ado, let's get into it. Um, we're going to get the big boys out of the way first because, yeah, they, these play, this has been talked about a little bit. So we're, we're going to – we'll go through it, though. So the first one I want to talk about is Patty Cake – Patrick Kane. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Patrick. 
going to the New York Rangers. Um, yeah. Um, my initial thoughts on this, and I'll throw it to you, Nate, in a second here, but I think, you know, Patrick Kane was playing very well before he left Chicago. But in my opinion, I think Kane kind of saw the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, when you're running a marathon and you're like in the middle of it or you're running laps and you're like, oh, this sucks. And then you see the finish line. You're like, all right, like, let's, you know, let's let's pick up the pace. And I really I mean, you know, that's a that's kind of a silly analysis. But I think that's, you know, there's some truth to that with what Patrick Kane has done in his last games in Chicago, you know, kind of picking it up and really showing his value. Um, you know, so he has played one game with the Rangers. Um, he, he looked good. You know, it was, it was a decent game. He was minus two, so that's not awesome. But, you know, uh, what did he get for time on ice here? I'm just looking at this. Um, I think he played, I got it. Yeah, 19.36 in his first game. He had just under six minutes on the power play, so no points, four shots on goal. It, it, it's a good debut. You know, he, he's going to be awesome there. But um, this is the type of example that I think, you know, a guy getting 20 minutes in Chicago, he's going to go to the Rangers and probably get, you know, I mean, he got 19.30 here, but a lot of that was power play time. So in a game where maybe they don't get that many power plays, does Kane play like 17 minutes? Does he play 18 minutes? You know, something like that. It's just something to watch, but I do think it has to boost Kane's, um, you know, point production moving forward. Um, So, and, you know, after that, it's going to really help, you know, the line mates that he's playing with. My guy, Vincent Trocek. For show. I think um, that just, yeah, that just solidifies Vincent Trocek to me uh, as, you know, being a must roster. Like um, I haven't looked recently what he's, what he's rostered in Yahoo, but if he's, no, if you're playing in a league where Vinny Trocek is not rostered, (laughs) that's what you call a clown league. All right. I'm not trying to insult anybody, but you get your, get your buns out of there and get into a real league. All right. Vincent Trocek (laughs) is a legend and a, just a beautiful person. All right. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I think paint, uh, Kane moving forward. I'm sort of seeing a point per game m- minimum like floor at this point. I think he he could have a couple big games. And you know what I like too, um, just with the Rangers is that Tarasenko um, has started to pick up his play uh, in the last couple of games because I was a little bit worried about that. I thought that um, he was going to be kind of one of the casualties of Kane heading in there. Um, you know, so. I don't know. What's, what's your thought? What's your thought on Kane on the Rangers so far? what do you think of the first game and what do you think of him uh, rest of season there and, and who kind of benefits from this? Yeah, we talked about this on Apples and Geno's feed and our pod because it was rumored for quite some time that this was going to happen. Uh, just seemed like they needed to figure out the money side of it and a few other things. Um, and then when it did happen, pretty much everything that we thought kind of came true. So Kane's on the top power play. Tarasenko gets bumped. Kane goes for four shots in his first game there. That's really solid. 19 minutes and 36 seconds. As you mentioned, a good chunk of that on the power play. So he may come down a little bit from that in games where they just don't have as many uh, opportunities on the power play. Uh, But overall, like that's pretty much what you want to see. I mean, obviously it'd be nice if he had like six points in his first game, but as far as zero point first games go, that's about as good as it gets. So like to see what we saw from Kane in the first game in terms of the deployment. Yeah, exactly what we expected playing with Trocek and Panarin. And then on the top power play, I do think that overall it like it doesn't help Tarasenko to not be on power play one right like it can't be beneficial overall but Tarasenko is still a guy who's going to play with Sabanajad and Kreider most of the time ostensibly from here on out and that's going to be a really solid line for him probably better than anything he was playing with in St. Louis whereas like clearly St. Louis was just 
the most dysfunctional team in the league this year or close to it. And so just for him to feel like he has new life and to get out of that situation, he had actually been asking for a trade for seasons prior to this and trying to get out of there. So I think he probably just feels like he's been given a new lease on life and that can go a long way for a guy of his talents. So I honestly think that Tarasenko is probably a guy who can push, you know, 75 point pace, maybe not a point per game without the top power play, but definitely a 75 point pace rest of season is fine to project for Tarasenko. And then Kane, I agree, point per game is probably the floor. I'd probably project him at around a 90 point pace rest of season um, just based on, yeah, that that power play is going to be pretty nuts. He's going to play with Panarin, who he already has established chemistry with, so you hope that that continues. You have to pay for the bread! You have to pay for the bread! The bread! You have to pay for the bread! (laughs) And I do think that Trocek is actually kind of a nice foil between those two uh, in terms of the way he plays as kind of a banger and a crasher while those two skill guys go around. So I do kind of like how that line fits together, and I think that that could work out really well for them. What a top six. Holy cow. And then... You got Adam Fox on the back end. Sheesh. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's in the Norris conversation. So, um, yeah. And Shesterkin, oh, my Lord. I mean, you know, and this isn't even the strongest team, in my opinion. Like, why? It's 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 unbelievable just in, in you know, in fantasy hockey and reality hockey, like what these teams are doing. I mean, this is going to be an incredible playoffs. I'm really excited. Um, who do you think kind of misses out or loses value from, from the Kane trade here? Like, um, you know, we talked about Tarasenko a little bit, and and I'll just give a little thing before I throw to you. Um, I do think Tarasenko is going to be value next year. I think, um, yeah, like we've talked about it. Um, you know, going to a new team and trying to figure everything out. Now, now you get a guy with Kane's gravity coming in there. You know, he's going to be the focal piece or one of the focal pieces, really. Um, but I think Tarasenko, like you said, seventy-five points. You might be able to get him at a steal next year's draft. I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. What what do you think? Uh who's who loses out in this in this situation? Well, definitely everybody in Chicago, right? Kane was kind of the only thing left there and the only thing that was propping up a number of players to fantasy relevance. Basically whoever played on that top power play, Seth Jones is probably the guy that's rostered in the most leagues that takes the biggest hit here. We'll talk about Max Domi because he got traded from Chicago as well. So he's out of that situation entirely. He would have been someone who took a big hit probably. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, Seth Jones is probably the guy left standing in Chicago who takes the biggest hit. He did have a goal there the other night I saw. Of course he did. With Kane out. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, everything's super logical in hockey and it happens exactly how we predicted every time. But yeah, you have to imagine over the course of the rest of the season that it's a pretty big negative for Seth Jones overall. So yeah, Seth Jones probably kind of on the bubble for a lot of teams now in terms of uh, whether you want to drop him and look to somewhere else for a streamer level defenseman. Uh, Chicago doesn't really have a crazy playoff schedule either way. If you're looking ahead to your fantasy playoffs, then if you're in weeks 22 to 24 on Yahoo, then they have 10 games and two off nights. So it's a pretty run of the mill schedule overall and not much different. If you're 23 through 25, they have a few more games, but uh, less off nights overall. So yeah, nothing too crazy. I think, uh, 
basically Seth Jones is someone that you're going to be taking a harder look at now and just deciding if he's still someone that you want to roster. Maybe Bangers Cats, he's still okay uh, just because he'll get you the hits and blocks. But in terms of point production, I think you really got to dial back what you expect from him. Like maybe you're talking about like a 35-point pace rest of season at this point, which is pretty tough to roster unless you have a pretty significant weight for Bangers or you're in Bangers Cats. I don't know that you can roster anybody on the Blackhawks, really. Like, I absolutely agree. This guy's on the bubble. You know, he hasn't had a great offensive season. I mean, he had a little stretch there where he was playing well, but he, he might just be like a, you know, a hits and blocks kind of guy moving forward. Um, one guy I like, actually, I didn't mention. Uh, this is just a watch list kind of guy, you know, on these teams that are that really have no one, um, like Chicago. But uh, Philip Kurachev is a guy I'm, I'm watching a little bit just because of his deployment. He's had 20 minutes in, in a couple games here, 19 minutes, 20 minutes, stuff like that. So they have no one else. So it's going to be the Kurashev show. <laughs> you know, Taylor Radish could get a real good look. I mean, they, they, and we're talking deep leagues, right? Very deep leagues. These are not guys you want to throw in. And like what Nate said, it's um, their playoff schedule is not great. Um, I did want to mention really quickly just some players on uh, New York as well that I think are kind of, you know, going to get a bit of a, a bit of a loss in value. And I think that's that third line, basically uh, Lafreniere, Kako. Those are guys like one of those guys is going to be off power play too. Uh, it looked like it was going to be Lafreniere, but uh, daily faceoff showing Lafreniere there and Kako off. So, you know, one of those guys is going to get bumped. So if you're rostering one of them, you know, again, like, you know, 14 team leagues, you might have one of those guys. It, it's it's going to be hard to hold, I think. You know, because the, just the deployment's not going to be there. And then I think the only guy you can potentially hold there is probably Philip Heedle, um, because he's still getting. You know, he, he's he's played very well this year. So, but he's going to lose some value too. So, um, that's just my two cents on that. Uh, you know, take a look at Chicago. You know, for your homework, go watch the Chicago box scores and see what happens. Who's getting the minutes? Who's getting the minutes? And then you can, you know, we'll talk about some advanced stats too on some of those guys, maybe on a future pod, and we'll see kind of where they're at, and maybe you can extract some value. I don't know. All right, let's move on. And that is Patrick Kane. That took a long time, but uh, that's fine. It's, uh, you know, we feel good about this. Um, let's quickly talk about Timo Meyer to the Devils, um, you know, and what do you think is going to happen there? Um, you know, he's out tonight, uh, which is Saturday. We're recording this, um, or Friday. Sorry, we're for- recording this Friday. We're going to release this Saturday morning. But yeah, um, Timo Meyer is out, but it sounds like he might play on Sunday. He was cleared for contact. So that's a good sign. Um, you know, he's going to be a beauty, but that's a pretty established team offensively. I'm, I'm very excited to see Timo Meyer's first game in New Jersey. Just again, for homework, like what's the deployment? You know, let's look at the advanced stats. What is he able to do what he did in San Jose in New Jersey? I don't know. What's your thought there? Yeah, I think overall I'm fairly bullish on Meyer. I don't think... It can be much worse of a situation than it was in San Jose. He did have Eric Carlson, who's playing at an elite level this year. Thomas Hurdle is a plenty fine top six player, maybe not you know a top-end, top-line center, but he's a fine player who can facilitate what Meyer does. Are you a member of the Turtle Club? Well, not exactly. Not exactly, but am I not turtly enough for the Turtle Club? But then, obviously, you're still looking at at least two other spots on the ice that were alongside Myra at any given time that were just kind of black holes 
for the Sharks all year long, and that's not going to be the case in New Jersey. I think Meyer most likely slots in on the Heischer line. I don't think we have any confirmation, at least not that I've seen, of what line he might slot into. But for me, it's most likely that he gets in on the Heischer line, maybe knocks Thomas Tatar off that line, and he could play there with Heischer and Dawson Mercer, and Mercer's been on an absolute tear as of late. So that would be pretty exciting to see. I've theorized, and others have as well, that he wouldn't be a terribly great fit with Jack Hughes just because they're both like volume shooter guys who love to carry the puck in and get the shot off real quick. Uh, it could happen, but that wouldn't be my ideal situation for him. If he goes there, then he probably knocks off Yeager, Sharangovich off that line. I don't think Sharangovich is being rostered in a whole lot of leagues anywhere, so I don't think that's going to hurt anyone's feelings in fantasy. But yeah, to play alongside Bratton Hughes would probably yeah not be a bad thing. I just think stylistically it's most likely that he ends up with the Heischer-Mercer line and that would be great for both of those players, like a big time up for both of those guys. Meyer is an elite chance producer. His advanced stats are absolutely like top 10, if not top five in the league, up there with the Matthews and the Pasternaks of the league. So definitely a guy that's worth moving the needle for in terms of how you're viewing him and how you're viewing his line mates at any given time. And definitely he adds another element to that top power play as well. Andre Palat will obviously come off, in my opinion, and Meyer will supplant him there. And then it'll be Meyer, Heischer, Brat, Hughes, Dougie Hamilton on the back end. Like that's just... That's just nasty at that point. Taste me how to duck. Taste me, taste me how to duck, duck. And I really think that regardless of chemistry, like when you get that kind of talent together and you just let it go to work, as long as they don't overthink things too much, it should work out. So I'm pretty excited about it overall. I do think that uh, as we talked about in uh, the pod that we did for Apples and Genos, that he's probably going to take a step back. He was getting 20 minutes a night in San Jose. And so that's not likely to happen in New Jersey. Uh, he probably gets about 18 minutes, I'd think, but probably not 20. So he does take a bit of a hit there, but the efficiency should improve based on the line mates. So I think it's probably at least a wash and at best he's getting more assists, right? Because he actually has some line mates who can finish for once. So, uh, overall, I think it's a net positive, but maybe not a huge net positive, uh, as some might assume. So that's my take on Meyer. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. And it's just right in line with what you were saying earlier about just tempering expectations. Like just because he goes to New Jersey doesn't mean he's going to light the world on fire. He's on a 120 point pace. You know, it's, it's, that's not going to happen. His minutes are not, are going to go down a little bit. I definitely agree with you there. Um, and yeah, Dawson Mercer, if he goes on that line, man, this, this guy, he's a must roster. He's a must roster player, uh, Dawson Mercer. And I didn't put him as my must roster, but you know, now that I'm hearing it, yeah, Dawson Mercer, he's, you know, he's been, he's been great, obviously. So he's, he's rostered a lot more than he used to be, but yeah, if he's out on your wire, I think that's, that's a speculative ad at this point. Um, you know, my only concern is that, you know, the injury situation with Meyer, it hasn't been very clear as to what is actually going on. So when you have a player that's missing these games and, you know, initially it was like, Oh, it's not that big of a deal, but you know, he's still missing games and he's still having you know, an issue with whatever the injury is. Um, I'm always a little bit wary of players coming back off injury and, you know, expecting that they're just going to explode into, you know, this, this kind of where they were prior to the injury. Right. So yeah, just along with that temper expectations. Um, it'd be interesting if he was with Hughes too. I, I absolutely agree with you. Like, you know, someone's going to have to pass, like someone's going to have to change their game <laughs> style a little bit. Right. But I mean, wow, two talented players and uh, Meyer is elite in cats leagues, like elite. 
you know, so um, I'm just, I'm excited just to see him suit up and see what we got with this guy on this team because yeah, this is a killer's rope. I mean, I'm excited for the playoffs when these teams play each other. It's, you know, I said this on, on a uh, previous pod here on fantasy NHL today, it's like an all-star game, but the players actually give a crap. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I want to see that. Like, let's see the best players just go at it. Right. Like yeah. I, I, I'm so excited. So anyways, and then Andre Palat, get the hell out of my sight. All right. Get that garbage out of here. This, this guy should have been dropped a long time ago, except he's on PP one on New Jersey. So you kind of have to hold him, but you don't like it. All right. I, I was, I liked Palat earlier. I thought he was really going to do something. He, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, just didn't materialize. I think the underlying stats kind of showed that story and, uh, you know, it was wishful thinking, but you know, I'm an optimist, right? What is that right? Nate, are you an optimist <laughs> or a definitely pessimist? A- I'm definitely a pessimist when it comes to most fantasy players. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably why you're successful. All right, let's move on. Okay, so now we'll get into some other trades here. Uh, And again, some of these we'll have some analysis on. Some will be real quick. So we're going to just fly through here and see what we can do. The next trade we want to talk about is Max Domi. Uh, going to the Stars, he was traded with uh, a goalie, Dylan Wells, who I'm not real familiar with, um, for uh, the Stars, Kudobin, basically uh, the contract he's going to play in the minors, and a pick. Um, yeah, but Max Domi, obviously, he was playing very well with Kane and then played uh, you know, a couple games without Patrick Kane while he was sitting for trade-related purposes. But Domi, in his last 10 games, um, he had 14 points. What the hell? Max Domi, all right? That, uh, that beauty, that Columbus Blue Jacket legend um <laughs> four goals 10 assists he averaged uh just over 18 minutes time on ice uh you know in that 10 games and on the season so that was in line but um i don't know what's your thought on domi in dallas where do you think he lines up first off i mean because he's he's try eligible in yahoo so he you know he can play all three positions um and one thing i heard is that they're looking for someone to play with sagan there on line three i don't know what's your what's your thought on domi and what do you think he can do here yeah, he'll be somewhere in that middle six for sure. The top line there in Dallas is pretty locked in. Pavelski, Heinz, and Robertson. So somewhere in that middle six. I think they're still teasing that out a little bit. They picked up Evgeny Dodonov as well. Mm-hmm. Right now in the last game, they rolled out Jamie Benn, Dodonov, and Wyatt Johnson. And then Tyler Sagan, Ty Delandria, and Mason Marchman. I think Domi probably bumps Delandria down most likely. Uh, that would be my guess at this point. And then... Yeah, probably fits in alongside Sagan Marchment. I think that could actually be a a nice, you know, middle six line. They kind of run these lines fairly evenly at even strength in Dallas. They don't usually, uh, yeah, overweight like their second line relative to their third line. They don't give them a whole bunch more minutes. Right. Uh, Domi's not going to get on the top power play, so you're talking about a second power play guy and a middle six forward. I'm not too excited about any of that. Um, he was super hot in Chicago, probably maybe a little bit of the same factor with Patrick Kane. He saw the light at the end of the tunnel and he, he's like, I got to put together the best stretch of my career to get the hell out of Dodge here. Right. So maybe that factored into it and he just had a little bit of a run there. But again, it's a guy going to a new team. You can't get too excited about the deployment here. And so I'm just not going to be super excited. Um, one guy that I am kind of interested in currently in Dallas is Wyatt Johnston. 
And mm. so it'll be interesting to see if Domi kind of replaces Johnston at some point in the lineup on the power play or if he takes a spot on the Ben line or something like that. Um, Johnston has really shown up in the underlying stats of late, especially a rookie uh, forward for the Stars. So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what that does to Johnston because Johnston was a guy who's rising for me. He's got points in four straight, and I'm rostering him in one league currently because of that. Um the underlying stats coming up this week. So Wyatt Johnson is a guy who I thought was ascending, who may not be ascending because of the Domi uh, pickup here. So yeah, basically at this point, it's just wait and see where he ends up in the lineup and how that goes in the first game. I'm not rushing out to grab Max Domi currently. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Domi to me is not a, he's not just a, a must add, you know, it's kind of a wait and see situation. Like we need to see where he's deployed. Um, yeah, I, I mean, th- I had that same thought, um, you know, that, that um, sorry, Wyatt Johnson is the one going to be moved off power play two there. But I don't think it's a lock that, that Ty Domi goes there. Or Ty Domi. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's the lock that Ty Domi doesn't go there, all right? That cement <laughs> head. All right, now, his son. All right, Max Domi. Um, yeah, I don't know that it's necessarily a lock there. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I never felt good about Domi this year anyway, but he's, but his advanced statistics are, are, have looked obviously very good since he's sort of been the last man standing or one of the last two men standing in, in Chicago there. Um, but that's just not the case here in Dallas. You know, he's got lots of people to play with. He's not going to be required to take on 20 minutes a night and, and lead the offense. So what does that look like for Max Domi? Um, you know, I, does he become a Mason Marchment? Does he kind of go that way? Right. And, you know, speaking of, like, I wonder what this does for Mason Marchman. Can can this kind of get, you know, help him out, uh, get him a little bit more, you know, I don't know, just going in some way? Like, it's, I don't know. It's, this is a tough one because, yeah, like a middle six guy, I don't know. I've just never been excited about Max Domi, even with the success. Like, I, I recommended him to a lot of people, but it was mostly schedule-based, right, and then deployment. So now that that deployment's going to go away, potentially, what's left? I, I'm not I'm not real real bullish on this guy. I do think Tyler Sagan, um, that's a guy I looked at this year kind of not as a yeah, I guess as a little bit of a sleeper, like a later pick that you can get. Obviously in Cats leagues, um Sagan is usually good to go because he hits, he shoots a lot. Um, you know, 40 points this season, that's not terrible. He's actually on a better point pace, Tyler Sagan, than he was last year. He's on a 53 point pace and where he was on a 50 point pace last season. Um yeah, this could help Tyler Sagan. I think if I had Tyler Sagan and I was thinking about dropping him, this might give me, like, oh, I want to see a game or two and see what happens with Max Domi before I kick Tyler Sagan to the curb if you were going to use him for a streamer spot. But other than that, yeah, we got it. This is another homework assignment, right? Go check out the Dallas Stars uh, box score at the end of their games. See where Max Domi lines up. Let, then let's look at the advanced stats. Let's see how they played, who is getting the chances. And take it from there, right? But he's definitely not a must-add, in my opinion. Cool. Um, let's move on to... I wanted to talk quickly about uh, uh, Nick Bjugstad. I don't even know how to say this man's name. Bjugstad? Bjugstad. How do you say it, Nate? What are you doing? Oh, it's definitely Bjugstad. We're going with that. <laughs> B-Jug? I just call him B-Jug. That's Nick B-Jug. Everyone will know who I'm talking about. Bjugstad. All right, now, now we're just we're derailing, and that's what I do on this pod, Nate. I try not to derail, Nate, uh, you know, the Apples and Genos podcast, but since this is Fantasy NHL today, I'll just derail all day, all right? <laughs> and no one can tell me different. Um, but yeah, Nathan Bajug Stud, 
Uh, he went to the <laughs> Oilers for for a pick and a D-man. I don't even know who the D-man is. Uh, just some quick thoughts. I, I think, are, are you, like, Bjorkstad had some, a, a little bit of value, like streamer value um, in Arizona prior to getting traded. And then, you know, I think he was injured or was, yeah, something like that. Do you think he's going to get any kind of deployment in the top six in Edmonton? And if so, does he become fantasy relevant? I think there's a chance. Uh, we have Evander Kane probably coming back there in the next little bit, so that closes off one spot for him. So it really depends what they want to do with him. I think it's most likely, honestly, that he gets used as the third-line center uh, so that they can kind of keep continuing to load up the top six. Their bottom six has always been a problem yep. in Edmonton, basically as long as Connor McDavid has been there. And so I kind of think that they're just using this as an opportunity to shore up the bottom six and, yeah, basically free up McDavid to do what he does best. If he did ever get into the top six, like anybody playing alongside McDavid or Dreisaitl, you have to at least give that some pause and think about it for a second. Um, definitely, I think he's better than Kyler Yamamoto, who's been getting a lot of those chances and has continually proved that he's a terrible hockey player. So I would be more interested than in said than I am in Kyler Yamamoto, but that's not saying much. And then in terms of the power play, there's just no way he makes it onto the top power play unless there were like six other injuries. So, um, And basically there's only one power play in Edmonton. They just run out McDavid and Dreisaitl for as yeah. long as they can stand. And <laughs> that's pretty much how that power play goes. So yeah, not much, not too much to say here with said If he did find his way into the top six, then sure, I would uh, be interested but it would probably just be on a if he's hot basis not an instant ad if he gets there yeah absolutely um you know potential hit streamer maybe at the very least but and that's if you're stat hunting um you know and i don't think there's any real losers in this trade besides the arizona coyotes just in general like what you know i read something on twitter like they're you know 50 percent of their their cap is like you know the roster or uh or salaries that they took on like it's just something ridiculous <laughs> Like, how is that even allowed? And they're playing in that dinky arena. Oh, man, it's <laughs> it's a debacle over there. I, I like the Coyotes. I, lo- I like a lot of players, you know, Kraus, Keller, uh, Schmaltze, and, and obviously my man, Bellamacki. But, uh, yeah. Um, okay, quick question for you. Who would you take, Nick B-Jug Stud or Ty Ratty? Hmm? You, <laughs> uh, you have to give that one to B-Jug there. B-Jug for the win. We're taking it to the bank. You heard it here first on Fantasy NHL Today. Uh, collaboration with Apples of Genos. All right, there you go. Uh, next one I want to talk about. Jonathan Quick going to the Vegas Golden Knights for Michael Hutchinson and a pick. Do we care about this, Nate? I mean, you know, it is Quick going to get, you know, uh, obviously, if, if you haven't listened to Apples and Genos, you should, first off. And then secondly, you'll realize that Nate is a goaliest. He has, he's very discriminatory to goalies. <laughs> uh, you know, so... Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think, Nate? Do you care about Jonathan Quick? Do you think he's kind of a zero-G uh, potential guy, or do or you think it's going to be a timeshare there with Aiden Hill? Yeah, I think they'd prefer to do a timeshare there. Uh, it sounds like Logan Thompson isn't particularly close to getting back, and so they felt that they couldn't just overload Aiden Hill and risk him getting injured because of being overloaded. And so they brought in Quick to kind of timeshare with Aiden Hill. I think Hill would probably get more of the starts, but I mean, if Quick got hot and he started uh, winning games for them, they'd probably roll with them anyway. But Quick has been awful for a hot minute now. Um, I 
say continually that I never predict goalie performance, but if there is a goalie whose performance I would safely predict, it would be that Jonathan Quick will not have a great end to his season here because he's been pretty bad uh, pretty much from the start of the season <laughs> till now. So it's pretty hard to see that totally uh, just flipping 100%. Vegas may be a little bit better situation than the Kings defensively, but not enough to cover up what Quick's been as a goaltender this year, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely fair. I mean, I think it is worth noting, kind of to your point there, you know, the Kings were 11th worst in the NHL in goals against, and Vegas is ninth best in goals against. So he'll have better players playing in front of him, better defense anyway. Um, it could give him a little bit of a boost, but, you know, Quick has a putrid gold sa- goals saved above average. It's a minus 23. I mean, that's, you know, buddy, it's, that's Jonathan Slow right there. That's not Jonathan Quick, all right? You're slow. Come on, man. Um, but I've read some tweets, and this is probably wishful thinking too, just, you know, Jonathan Quick revenge kind of tour, you know, getting it, – it's, it's not cool the way they sort of just launched him out of L.A. there after what he's done. You know, it, 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 felt, it felt kind of – you know, it, it just felt kind of icky. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm rooting for Jonathan Quick to, to kind of get some revenge on his former team, at least in the games, you know, if they play each other again. But I just don't think – I'm not adding Jonathan Quick. Let's just put it that way. Um, he might get a little boost, I think, but it might be just stream him in for the games he plays and call it a day. Um, as far as winners, you know, I thought, obviously, if Jonathan Quick goes, I thought Copley. I'm like, okay, this is great. But, you know, there's some other trades that uh, the Kings did that sort of take Copley's value away, and we'll talk about those later. Um, and then Hutchinson going the other way. Um, to He's just going to become the backup there in Columbus. So whoop de doo no one cares, all right? Especially not especially not Nate. He doesn't give two craps. Your son Rip is online toot. <laughs> and that's fine. All right, let's move on. Uh, this next one uh, definitely, I think, is, is going to have some good fantasy implications. We're talking about Todd Bertuzzi. Not Todd, Tyler. Oh, God, I did Ty Domi, and now I did Todd <laughs> Bertuzzi. That's 0 for 2. That's a whiff, all right? And, uh, you know, we're going to keep going. So Tyler you Bertuzzi. You got another strike. I got, yeah, I'm still good. It's a full count, though. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're in trouble here. Um, Tyler Bertuzzi to the Bruins for a first and a fourth. Um, let's talk about Tyler Bertuzzi. Last 10 games with Detroit. Yeah, he has been playing pretty good. Um, eight points, two goals, six assists. He's been averaging uh, just over 17 minutes time on ice. And I don't know. I think um, this is a great trade just in reality for the Bruins, a depth piece, but with benefits. Like, he's not just a, a bottom six guy. He's shown in Detroit that he can play top six minutes and be effective, you know, at least offensively. Um, and that's great for fantasy, obviously. So um, I think, you know, Taylor Hall has been put on uh, either long-term IR or just IR with, with his injury. They're, you know, they're trying to figure out what's going on there. So there's a bit of an opportunity for minutes for um, Tyler Bertuzzi. He's, I think he can kind of just slot right into Taylor Hall's minutes that, that he was getting. And I think Taylor Hall was like, you know, 15 to 17 minute man. So that's not terrible for Tyler Bertuzzi on, you know, the best team in the league. You know, if he gets any kind of deployment with, you know, like their defense is amazing. You know, if he gets any any time on power play two, even like I'm liking that. But yeah, what where are you at with Bertuzzi and what do you think he's going to be capable of here in Boston? I think that he'll be interesting. Uh, It's it's tough to say they have some injuries. So Taylor Hall was put on IR and 
it seems like that's a pretty obvious spot for him to fit in. That would be a third-line spot. They've had some good chemistry in the top six with Bergeron, Marchand, and DeBrusque on the top line, and then Krejci, Pasternak, and Zaka on the second. I don't think they'd just throw that away to try to shoehorn Bertuzzi in there. So it seems like most likely fits into that hall spot for the time being. That would probably be a power play two role as well. I think that makes sense. The one thing about the Bruins, though, they've historically rested their stars uh, going into the playoffs. Bergeron, in particular, has been a guy who's gotten rested. Marchand has gotten rested at times as well. And so if that happens, then, you know, like the Bruins have basically nothing to play for. Like they could lose half their games from here on out and still run away with the top place in the conference. So they're not worried about losing their spot or uh, any playoff implications basically at this point. So that could happen where Boston just decides, hey, we don't like Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, you guys know how to get ready for the playoffs. You don't need to be playing hockey games and risking injury at this point. We're just going to sit you down for the last week or 10 days or whatever of the season and let the other guys play it out. So in that case, Bertuzzi could get up there. That could be into your fantasy playoffs, depending on when they are for you. So that could be of interest, but on the whole, like Bertuzzi is basically going from top-line top power play in Detroit to third-line second power play in Boston, and you can't view that as anything other than a net negative. He's probably going to come down into the 14-15 minute range, and yeah, uh, overall, it's pretty much just a net negative for Bertuzzi there. Yep, absolutely agree. Don't have much to add there. Um, I didn't really think about um, yeah players resting, so that that's a great point. Um, Marshawn is is banged up right now. He's going to play tomorrow, sounds like. But yeah, he he was looked like he was injured in in the last game there. So yeah, that that makes total sense. So you know, if anything like that starts happening, I scoop up Bertuzzi immediately. He's I don't think he's a must add at this point. Um, but uh, as far as winners in that trade, I think uh, you know I just think the the top top six in Detroit, <laughs> you know, um, they're all going to get more minutes, right? So obviously Larkin's good to go, but we're talking about guys like, you know, Kubalik, uh, Robbie Fabry, who's, you know, has some great stretches this year, Lucas Raymond. Um, I think they're going to get a bit more value, more deployment, and they're going to be more secure in their ice time. So um, yeah, that's my take there. I don't know if you have anything on those guys. Yeah, I like Kubalik the most from the underlying stats, but it seems like he's kind of played himself out of favor. Um yeah, he's kind of by default in the top six. He did play with Larkin in the last game, but not on the top power play. So, yeah, if he gets on the top power play and the top line, then I'm back in on Kubelik just based on the advanced stats that I see. So that's one that I would actually be interested in if that happens. So keep an eye out for Kubelik in my mind. Fabry has had hot stretches, but it's never been supported by the underlying stats, in my opinion. The advanced stats have always been pretty bad for him this year. So not super into Fabry, even though he's on the top power play over Kubelik at the moment. Uh, I'm just pretty much out there. And then David Perron. Ew, David. I don't know if that really affects Perron. He played with Bertuzzi at times on the same line, but opposite wings, obviously. And Perron, I think, might just be washed as a player at this point. It it just seems like he took his last payday, and he's just cashing checks at this point, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, power play specialist. I mean, that's, re- that's really all you're getting. So, yeah, that's totally fair. Let's move on. I want to talk about a man named John Klingberg. Klingon Klingberg, all right? Dude, no, this is serious. I just sharded. Um, he moves over to Minnesota there. Um, yeah, nice little piece of business there for Minnesota. I mean, shoring up that top power play. 
they had Kalen Addison on there for the most part. Um, and I think this, yeah, this just kills whatever was left of, of Addison's value. I think if you had him, get him the hell out of your sight. Cause I think, I think Klingberg's just going to walk right onto that power play one and walk into some real value. I don't know. What's your take on Klingberg there in Minnesota? Yeah, there's only one reason you go out and get John Klingberg, and it's to run your top power play unit. So definitely, I think he's going to walk straight into that top power play. Might play even second pair minutes with Matt Dumba or somebody like that, so he could actually get some decent ice time overall. But Minnesota is not really an offensive team. Like for all of Anaheim's warts, Minnesota is not like so much yeah. so many orders of magnitude better as an offensive team right so um it's an upgrade in terms of like he wasn't getting even power play one on anaheim and he's definitely going to get that in minnesota in my opinion so that's an upgrade for klingberg but in terms of the offensive situation at even strength i don't think it's a huge upgrade it is a slight upgrade all in all like klingberg's probably a 45 ish point guy 45 50 point guy but he doesn't really do anything in terms of the peripheral categories for you um, occasional blocks basically is the best you can hope for. So unless it's a points league, you're probably still not super interested in Klingberg, but definitely like if you had him and you're just hanging on, like if you have him in dynasty or something like that, this is definitely a boon for him overall. Yeah, absolutely. Assists, power play points. I mean, that's, that's what you're getting from this guy. Um, but I like to see it. I like, I've liked Klingberg in the past. I've rostered him obviously not this season and it's just been not, you know, the move to Anaheim has been, atrocious for him not not good for his career or his you know production but yeah it's uh, i think it's a great thing for klingberg and i i like what it does just in reality for the minnesota wild okay let's move on um i want to talk about matthias Eckholm and tyson berry your cousin marvin berry you know that new sound you're looking for well listen to this that uh, that little that little trade there that happened between the Oilers and the Predators, we got Matthias Alcom uh, going to the Oilers, sort of to shore up their defense there, and then Tyson Berry heading over to the Preds. Um, yeah, I I don't know where you're at with Alcom. Like I've had lots of conversations with people on Twitter and Discord just regarding the power play there in Edmonton, and you know who's going to get that number one spot. And we saw in game one that it was Evan Bouchard who was running that power play one. Um, he, you know, his overall ice time wasn't amazing, but I don't know who, who cares? <laughs> like you, whoever's playing on power play one in, you know, that the best offensive team in the league, like, you know, that that's someone you want to probably roster. Right. So um, I don't know uh, that that's my take on at home. You know, he's there to shore it up, right. They got rid of Tyson Berry, who was a pretty much a beloved teammate and, you know, I read lots of reports, like, just from the Edmonton media. Like, if they're going to get rid of Barry, they better get get some good return for it. Like, get get a real need filled because this guy's a good guy in the room. And, you know, he was well-liked by his teammates. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting trade there. Um, I don't think Ekholm, personally, is is really, you know, he's a he's a maybe a periff guy, but he's a defensive defenseman, right? He could He could play, you know offensively if needed but they don't really need that what they need is defense right they have enough offense on the team and then as far as Tyson Berry goes um in his first game with Nashville he did get power play one they did it they went with two defensemen uh Barry and Roman Yossi on power play one so that's I actually wasn't expecting that so um you know does what do you think does Barry hold value um you know if you're a Barry holder are you are you are you holding him on your roster? Are you dropping him? Where do you think he is rest of season? And then what's your thoughts on Matias at home? The thing with Barry is that 
he was kind of propped up by the McDavid dry sidle situation on that power play unit, right? Um, in terms of his actual, you know, game to game, even strength kind of points upside, it's it's kind of tapered off over the last few years already. And then he goes to a place like Nashville, where uh, basically if Roman Yossi doesn't create the goal with his legs, then it doesn't happen at this point in Nashville. So it's pretty tough, even if he does get on that top power play and maintain that role, it's pretty tough to see him really hanging on to that and uh, that being a, a super enticing spot, even if he does stay there the entire rest of the season. I think at this point, Nashville's fully in on just trying out all the uh, all the guys that they can. They've got Cody Glass, Tommy Novak, Luke Evangelista. They're trying all these guys on the top power play, um, basically just running them out there with Roman Yossi so he can bounce pucks in off them and try to get them their first goal of their career or something. <laughs> so, um, who the hell is Tommy Novak? Come on, what? Who? Who is this man? What, what's going on? I don't know. Sorry, I don't. I don't know, but he's scoring points. It's uh, that's pretty interesting. He's uh, getting the guy biz. that we've talked about. But definitely, I think that Barry, his time on your roster may have run its course. I'm definitely not going to drop him immediately. I'll give it a game or two and see how things go if you do have him. But um, I'm thinking, my my inclination anyway, is that he's probably a drop at this point going to Nashville. Ekholm is a guy that... Yeah, he kind of is what he is, right? Defensive defenseman, as you mentioned. He's had stretches where, like when Roman Yossi went down, he took over top power play, and he was uh, pretty decent for a stretch of time. But it's always just been stretches with Ekholm. He's never put together a season of real sustained fantasy relevance, and I don't really expect that uh, that would change all that much in Edmonton unless he were to take over the top power play. Edmonton's playing again tonight, and Bouchard is right back up there on the top power play. Nice. So I think it seems like they're going to run with Bouchard for the time being, and I think they should because Bouchard is uh, easily the mo- the best offensive defenseman they have left there. So that's my take on that situation. Are you adding Bouchard? Like, is he a must-add? I think he's a must-add if he's available, yeah. Yep, there you go. I like that. I picked them up in two spots. Yeah. Um, so that's that's good. I feel good about myself. Although I'd like some more minutes. Can you give me some more minutes, my guy? All right. That'd be nice. Um, cool. Let's keep let's keep going. Um, uh, what about the trade from your Toronto Maple Leafs? Nate is a is a is a Leafs fanatic. All right. He's a he's a Leafs fan, and his Leafs went off in the trade deadline. So actually, first, even before we get into this, what do you think about your Leafs? Are you happy with the moves that happened? And, and and what do you think about the kind of the rest of the season just for the Leafs in general? Yeah, overall, I'm pretty happy with the moves that they made. They traded a lot of picks, but to be honest, I would rather that they trade the picks, the unknown picks versus the prospects that they have in the system that they feel pretty good about. Um, Matthew Nees was a guy that they were talking about could be on the block and he's really come on and a lot of people view him as uh, much more of a first round valuation now where he was a second round pick in his draft year so pretty happy overall that they didn't dip into their prospects but just went with kind of the unknown of the picks and yeah let that go it's a lot harder to project 18 year olds in a draft than 20 year olds that you've had in your building before and so i'm just in general 
more happy about that situation. Obviously, getting Ryan O'Reilly really solidifies the forward group. They definitely needed another player to add uh, who is some sort of scoring threat or at least a viable offensive player to add to that um, top nine, essentially, wherever he ends up slotting out in the middle six. And then on the back end, they just added basically a bunch of bodies, including Gustafson here in this trade. Um, Jake McCabe is a legitimate kind of playoff style hard-nosed defenseman that's kind of their erstwhile Jake Muzzin replacement with Muzzin yep. um, out for the rest of the season and honestly probably potentially I shouldn't say probably out for the rest of his career at this point he's had some pretty substantial injuries ongoing for some time now and uh, seems like it might just be time for him to not do this anymore uh, but Jake McCabe obviously acquired to kind of step into those shoes and be that physical presence on the blue line for the playoffs. And then, yeah, just adding kind of bodies. Luke Shen is a guy who's another physical presence on the bottom pair. Uh, He'll do some penalty kill work as well, I'm assuming, and just kind of lighten the load on some of the other guys as far as that goes. Yeah, and then Gustafson is an interesting one because... Yeah, I wasn't really sure what the idea with Gustafson was other than he was a guy with a really low cap hit that they could add and keep on the team if there's more injuries. He's a guy who fills a power play role if they need him to. Um, They're obviously going to run Morgan Riley on the top power play, and Gustafson would be the power play two guy on the nights when he's playing at least. Uh, He got into the last game and... um, yeah, had that role on the second power play unit. So we'll see how long that lasts, uh, whether he maintains his spot in the lineup or if he gets traded in and out. But basically, the Leafs just added a whole bunch of depth. And I'm not too sure about Gustafson really adding any value. I think he probably had his run on your team with the Capitals uh, taken over for John Carlson. But now that role goes to Rasmus Sandin, who was traded to the Capitals. And I just saw word today that Carlson, his... It sounds like his best case scenario is like an end of March kind of time frame. So that's basically like you can't count on him for your fantasy playoffs anymore. You can basically, uh, you have to assume that he's done for your fantasy season at this point. And so that makes Rasmus Sandin, like if you look at Washington's defense core, there's nobody there who runs a power play. So it's pretty much Rasmus Sandin, I think, is going to step straight into that power play one role. And he's been okay he provides some peripherals from time to time uh they don't have much of a like top four either so i assume he gets kind of like a top four role and so overall i'm kind of interested in sandine and what he might mean like he's going to be the guy in that carlson spot feeding ovi for the one-timers from his office on the power play so oh 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 you know what i'm talking about oh (laughs) yeah he can anticipate that he can run into some points that way. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty interested in Sandine overall, and he might be one of my favorite ads actually coming out of all of this trade deadline madness. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think um, Eric Gustafson did a he did an admirable job in Washington there, kind of being thrust in, and and he had his moments, right? But he's I don't think he's really that player at this point in his career. Um, you know, he did a great job, but it, it was that that was one confuse a little bit confusing in the move they did there. Like I'd be interested to hear kind of what they're thinking of. I mean, you know, to your point, I think it's just depth there. Like it looked like Kyle Dubas was just like, 
let's just load up and make sure that, you know, if a guy goes down, we got another guy to fill that spot. So, you know, if Morgan Riley gets injured, you put Eric Gustafson on the top power plate, no problem. Like that, he's good to go. He's done it before. So, um, yeah, Gustafson's not a guy I'm interested in at all, really, at this point. Um, But yeah, Sandine, that's an interesting one. And, you know, what's, like, I'm just looking at his stats. It's not a player I'm super familiar with, but like, this guy bangs. Jeez. Um, 113 hits in 52 games. Buddy, are you okay? Like, well, like, who hurt you, man? Like, this is, <laughs> you know, so I love that. 59 blocks in 52 games. So he's a Cats League beast. If he's going to get, you know, 20 minutes and up in Washington and, and power play one, yeah, that's an ad. Like you've got to get this guy on your roster. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like, I like Sandine and you're, you're kind of convincing me even more. Like what, what's your take on Sandine just in general as a prospect. And, you know, he's, he's not really a prospect anymore. He's played, you know, some seasons in the NHL, but, um, you know, were you sad to see this guy go off your team? Yeah, he's a good puck mover. Um, his advanced stats always look pretty good. His micro stats, like exits and zone exits and zone entries and all that always looks good. So he's always been kind of an analytics darling, but he's never really translated that into counting stats so far. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's a young defenseman in the league, and the Leafs were never going to be the team to let him have that kind of run where you'd get a consistent role, power play one. He had it for a bit when Riley was injured earlier in the season, but it was, yeah, just for a time, and it was always there was always an expiration date on that role. And so I think, yeah, for him to have a run here with the Capitals, they're going to want to see what they have in him. They traded a first-round pick plus Gustafson for him. So I think they're definitely going to, yeah, let him run. Could be even like a 22-minute role. Who knows? Yeah. And so I'm pretty interested, yeah, like I said, to see what they do with Sandine and to see what if he can turn all that uh, advanced stat goodness into some actual production for us in fantasy. Well, yeah, it's a perfect example of a player that's going to get some opportunity. I love it. Let's move on. Um, really qu- quickly, what do you think about Chikrin to the Sens? Um, I've had some questions on Twitter. Um, I think this guy's available out, out there in some leagues. It's it's insane. Like, I guess people maybe dropped him because, you know, he hard to hold a guy when he's not playing, right? Like, he was, mm. you know, but he's 74% rostered on Yahoo. Like, I've had some questions like, do I pick up Chikrin? Like, like do I drop Keandre Miller for Chikrin? It's like... Absolutely. I don't know. Yeah, you get you get you get Miller out on his ass. All right, you get him, yeah. you kick him to the curb, and you get Chikrin. Um, you know, like Chikrin in his first game, there was a bit of an injury scare. That's of course what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> this guy's made of glass. He's a bit of a you know injury risk, but uh, I don't know. He he's going to play. I read a report today that he's going to be fine. He's playing on Saturday, no problems whatsoever with whatever happens. So, um, yeah, he it looks like he's lining up with Nick Holden according to Daily uh, Faceoff. And he's getting power play two currently, and he they're doing a two defenseman there with Jake Sanderson, which I'm glad that they're they're keeping Jake Sanderson, getting him some power play time. I, I think he needs that, um, and yeah, that could be good with him uh, uh, with Chikrin. Like that power play two, you know, it looks it looks decent. You know, you got Giroux on there as well, but I don't know where do you, where do you see Chikrin here? Like I, he's a must roster for sure. Um, what do you think he can do with Ottawa? Yeah, I definitely like Chikrin. Obviously comes off the top power play where he was in Arizona, but the team context in Ottawa, at least from an offensive standpoint, is so much better that you almost consider that a wash. So I'm pretty interested in Chikrin. He's always been a guy who completely pops for me in terms of the advanced stats. He's a shot-producing beast for a defenseman, one of the top 10 um, 
in the last number of years. So definitely a guy that I'm very interested in for fantasy all the time. And yeah, going to Ottawa, which is a team that has a really good top six, scores a lot of goals. They play a lot of games where they allow a lot of goals and score a lot of goals. And that's great for us in fantasy. So I'm I'm all about it with Chikrin. I definitely think that it's probably whatever you thought of him in Arizona, you shouldn't change what you think of him with the Sens, and it might even be a slight uptick. You heard it here, folks. What the hell are you doing? Go get Jacob Chickren. Oh, God, jeez. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as Arizona, again, I just want to bring up my boy, the juice box. Yuso Valamaki. I think he's an ad. I will talk about him a little bit. But, yeah, Yuso Valamaki, I think he's getting all the minutes now because, um, you know, Ghost, Shane Gostisbehere, was also moved from Phoenix. So any, you know, we'll talk about that one in a second here. But yeah, any competition for ice time Yusuf Alamaki had is now gone. He's going to chug minutes. He's going to get power play one. You know, he's going he's gonna to be playing a lot. So I think Valamaki is a speculative ad. Definitely go, go take a look and see if it makes sense for your team. See who's out there as well. But I like Valamaki. I think he should be on your radar. But let's talk about Gostisbehere. Um, He goes to the Canes. That's a that's a, a nice little piece there as well. Um, Gostisbehere, um, I was surprised. Like his advanced stats, they look pretty darn good. What uh, you know, he, he's had a nice season, you know. And I think it w- obviously he got injured, and that kind of derailed a bit of what he was accomplishing there in Arizona. But he looks good. I mean, this this is a guy that had an amazing uh, season in Philadelphia, and kind of wasn't able to recreate you know some of the success that he had there, but. He was kind of well on the way and, and going to the hurricanes. I think that's a great, it's a great situation for him personally, because that, that is a winning team that, you know, has Stanley cup aspirations, right? They have a great roster. Does he get power play time there? What do you think? Is he, does he supplant Burns or does he get, does he get power play two or like, cause Burns is sometimes on power play two as well. So I don't know. What do you think? How does that all shake out? Yeah, he'll get one of the power play roles for sure. There's, uh, similar to Klingberg, you only trade for Shane Goss to spare if you're planning on playing him on the power play. But right. when you have Brent Burns, I don't think he's... I don't think Gostaspare is a guy who immediately kicks Brent Burns to the curb. So I think they'll split time, and yeah, it could be Burns most likely on power play one. That would be my guess. So Gostaspare going to a power play two situation, and I'm just looking. He's in the game tonight, and he's on the third pair with Jalen Chatfield. So I think overall you're looking at a guy who's probably a, a good defenseman but playing on a much better team now and going to get significantly less minutes and... Yeah, not as enviable of deployment in terms of the power play as well. So overall, I'm a lot lower on Gossespierre now, unfortunately, even though he went to a better team. I think he's probably just going to end up as like a 17-minute guy from here on out who gets some power play two time. And that's a nice luxury for the Hurricanes to have. It gives them, you know, that extra power play quarterback, that insurance. It's something that they obviously valued when they went out and got him. But I think overall, it's a it's a pretty big hit to Gosses Bears fantasy value from here on out. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, he's a backup plan there. Just in case somebody goes down, this guy can step in and play big minutes, big offensive minutes. Um, let's change gears here. Let's look at, um, I wanted to talk really quickly, just get your opinion on, the Korpisalo Gavrikov trade to the Kings. Um, that's that's an interesting move, right? Because Copley in LA was playing quite well, or, or what? He was he was getting wins. Uh, his his stats don't really show out. You know, he's you know yeah. I think he had like a sub nine hundred. He, he mostly gets sub nine hundred. You know, save percentage, and he's letting a lot of goals in, but he's getting wins. So what happens there in LA? Um, Korpisalo more than Gavrikov. I think 
for me personally, Gavrikov is, you know, he's, he's kind of a defensive defenseman there. He's, he's a beefer. He's, he's going to be a beast in the playoffs. You know, he's, he's kind of that guy um, with a little bit of offense there, I think, but Corpus Allo is the one I'm more interested in um, for me personally. I, I think that Corpus Allo is going to get the run there in LA. And my only thought there is, is that um, Copley wasn't really, they didn't pencil him in as their, as their guy this year. He kind of just took over with his decent play and they were getting wins with him in the net. But I don't think he's their goalie of the future. I think they traded for their potential goalie of the future in Jonas Corposalo. You know, he's younger. Um, he had a, He's had a really good stretch right prior to the trade here. So, I mean, what do you think um, about him playing in LA and is he an ad or is it, again, is it a timeshare situation? I think it's most likely a timeshare, but the Kings are, you know, they're scrapping for the playoffs and their spot in the playoffs right now. They're going to play whoever is getting them wins. Um, and yeah, they went out and got Corpusello because he was a cheap option that was currently playing well in Columbus. Um, 1.3 million base salary. So it was easy for them to fit him in into their team. And then he's a UFA after this year. So who knows where he goes after this. But I think that Corpusello. The way he's been playing is definitely better than Copley, but uh, now he goes to a new team, new goalie coach might ask him to try some new things and maybe all that confidence and mojo goes away instantly and you end up with just a tail off to the end of his season here. That's definitely within the range of outcomes. So I think it's a timeshare. I think whoever plays best gets the next start. It's probably going to be one of those kind of play well, like get the win and you're in for the next game kind of situations. I think they definitely don't want, they were, basically overworking Phoenix Copley because Jonathan Quick was so bad that they literally couldn't play him if they wanted to win a game. And so they were overworking Copley and his results were suffering as a result of probably being overplayed too much. And so yeah. they brought in Corpusello so that they could 1A, 1B this thing one way or the other. I think they're pretty... I mean, if I was them, I would be pretty ambivalent to how it shook out. I'd just be looking for somebody who gets me wins at the end of the day. So I think that's what they're looking for. If I had to handicap it, I'd say that I'd prefer Corpus Allo. I did drop Copley in a league where I had him this week because I'm just not interested in holding half or potentially less than half of a decent but not great team's goaltending situation. So um, that's my take on the situation currently is I'm more interested in Corpus Allo than Copley at the time. Yep, for sure. I think it, it kills a little bit of value for both guys, unfortunately. But, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. I added Corpus Allo in a couple leagues. Um, you know, again, wishful thinking, right? Like, I think that they got him for a reason and, and we'll see, you know. Um, but yeah, it could kill both their both their value and I have no issue with just dumping Corpus Allo to the curb and saying get the hell out of my sight all right we are we're we're coming to the end here we want to talk about a couple more and then we're gonna just uh, wrap it up here but um yeah um let's move on um there's one that I'm actually really interested in that I don't really believe is real but this guy keeps playing amazing it's uh Dimitri Orlov for the Bruins what the hell is this man doing I people are asking me like is Orlov an ad I'm like well why don't I drink out of a toilet bowl no no, I'm not into it. And then what does he do? He goes out and he's just he's just blitzing people. Like, you know, I hate that. Cause I don't know about you, Nate. When I make fantasy takes and I'm telling people, like, you know, the majority of the time it's like, okay, that worked out. Yeah. But this one is like, 
what the hell is this man doing? I mean, it, it's just, it doesn't make a bit of sense. So um, I don't know where are you at with Orlov? Can he continue this torrent pace? I mean, like, like let's look at his, his last few games here. Like he, he's got eight points in his last five games, averaging over 21 minutes. Like, is this for real? Is this real? Is, 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 is Orlov the new McAvoy? Yeah, not only eight points his last five games, eight points his last three games. Oh, um, God. Basically, since hell? he got to Boston, he's just gone off three points in each of his last two games. Yeah, so he's playing top pair with uh, McAvoy currently. So that's obviously a good spot to be in. Boston, great team, great offense. Can factor into the offense that way. He's getting power play two-time. Actually, I just saw that they switched things up and they went with Orlov with Brandon Carlo. Um, so they've been switching the defense around in the last game, and he still put up right. three points, so go figure. Um, but That's overall, I definitely agree that Orlov, like, it's a hot stretch. These things happen. It's just a really, really hot stretch uh, for Orlov. I'm not anticipating that he's going to be, like, he can be a rosterable, streamable kind of player if you need someone. And definitely Boston has a the fantasy playoff schedule where they play 12 times in weeks 22 through 24, so they play four times yep. each week. And so that's a value, definitely, just in terms of sheer volume and what Orlov could provide to you then. So I don't hate it from that perspective, but I think probably everyone's going to add him right now and then he's going to go cold for the next week or two and everybody's going to drop him and then you might be able to sneak him onto your roster for playoffs and he might just be like a back end, you know, like a D4 or a D5 on your team and you might be pretty happy with what he gives you uh, over the course of that stretch. So I'm not too excited about Orla, but I do think that if he gets dropped after this recent hot stretch that I'd be interested in him for fantasy playoffs. Yeah, totally. I, I just... This this doesn't feel real to me. He's he's not you know, obviously he's he's having a good season you know, but before this eight points in three games, like he was at you know nineteen points on the season. So it, it and he did that with Carlson out in, in Washington. So he wasn't really you know lighting the world on fire. He's a valuable player in in actuality in real you know hockey. This guy's a beauty, no question. But um, eight points in three games, that's not real. Um, so, you know, he's making me look like a dingus, but it, I, it, this just cannot continue. Um, so I'm not adding Orlov. If he doesn't, if he gets eight points in his next three games, you know what? There you go. I'll be the first, I'll put my, my number one waiver claim on the line. I'll just go pick up Dimitri Orlov regardless. But, uh, I, I honestly don't think this can continue. It, you know, he's probably just excited to go to a team that is like, you know, historically could be the best team ever. You know, like who wouldn't be excited to go there and you're playing with all these guys and, you know, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I don't buy it. I'm not picking him up, but, you know, while he's hot like this, it might be nice to pick him up. And as you said, weeks 22 to 24, he plays 12 games and he's, at least in cast leagues, peripherals, he's he's going to bring those for you for sure. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Take it for what it's worth. I think there are better guys out there, but that's, that's my two cents. Um, another guy I want to talk about is my guy, Nino Niederreiter. Yes, it is Ned Niederlander going to the Jets. This is a guy I picked up. I, I, I had him, you know, at the beginning of the season for a little bit. And obviously he's a streamer level, but I, I did add him after the trade just because he's getting top six deployment in Winnipeg. Uh, PLD is out right now. Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I think that um, Dubois is going to be a center when he comes back. It's going to be Dubois 
um, Niederreiter, and who's the other guy? Uh, what the hell's wrong with Ehlers um, right now is on that e- line. Ehlers. Nikolaj. Hmm? Nikolaj. Yeah, I said it. Nikolaj. Nikolaj. Not even close. Nikolaj. Nikolaj. Almost Nikolaj. Nikolaj. I feel like I'm saying it. You know what? It doesn't matter. You know, how many questions are you getting about Ehlers, Nate? Are you getting a bunch of questions about this man? I got one about Ehlers while we were recording this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, straight up. It's a foregone conclusion. Should I drop Ehlers? Like, I don't want to. Like, you know, can, can the coach help me out? Can you give this man some minutes? Can you put him on power play one? Those three things, just, you know, please. All right. Because Ehlers is an advanced stats beauty. This guy's going to blow up. I, you know, I, I don't understand it. But, anyways, that's neither here nor there. Nino Niederreiter's playing with Ehlers. When PLD comes back, he's going to center that line. That's a nice line. That's nice deployment. Niederreiter is a, he's a Catsley guy. So I think there's some value here. I think Niederreiter can get more minutes than he got in Nashville. Uh, which was like 15 to 16 minutes. I'm not looking at his his, his average time on ice right now, but um, he's also, right now, they've got him slotted in in power play one. Okay, so second line with those players. When PLD comes back, he's he's obviously out right now. He's missing this game, but um, he'll be, he, he's close. He was a game time decision for this one. He's out, but he'll be back soon, probably next game. That's a, that, that line, man, that's just, um, I, I like that deployment and power play one. I don't know, where are you at with my man Nino? Niederreiter's always been a guy who's run really hot and really cold. Um, more cold than hot, I guess, over the course of his career. He's never been someone who's sustained a really great season for 82 games. But definitely a guy who's a valuable streamer from time to time. It seems like he always runs hot for like a week and he scores like six goals in 10 games or something or 10 days and everybody's over the moon about him. And then it takes another week and all of a sudden he's scoring zero points again. He gets bumped down the lineup again and uh, just seems like the same song and dance with Niederreiter pretty much no matter where he was playing. It was just always the same story um, all the time. So, Yes, I'm definitely interested in him as far as the streamer goes. The Jets do not have a terrific playoff schedule. Um, so take that into account for whatever it's worth. And basically, I just view him as another streamer at this point. I do think that when Dubois gets back, if he stays with Ehlers as the other winger on that line, then that's a really nice line. But the Jets have really been playing with their lines They're doing their darndest to fall out of that final wild card spot <laughs> at the moment. They're four or five and one in their last 10. And yeah, for some reason they just can't figure out that Nikolai Ehlers is their best offensive player and they refuse to play him. So uh, whatever that's about, I don't know if he, uh, yeah, if he walks in the door every morning and spits on his coach's shoes or what exactly <laughs> yeah. he's doing behind closed doors. But it seems like for whatever reason, with a couple of coaches now, Ehlers cannot uh, get the top line, top power play deployment that he so desperately deserves. And uh, I have a very personal vested interest in this as I have Ehlers on a few of my teams. So uh, definitely hope that they figure that one out. And yeah, if they do and Niederreiter's a piece of that, then I think is a guy who can play alongside good players and kind of capitalize on when they're hot Um, and he's definitely capable of getting hot himself so I definitely feel it for a stream and for while he's getting good deployment but I'm not convinced that Niederreiter is going to be like a rest of season hold at this point absolutely um yeah i don't like to hear this all right you you, you you're crapping over my man nino uh, <laughs> all right he's not one of my men all right i got two guys that i talk about consistently boone jenner 
and Vinny Tro. All right. So I was, you know, what you know what I'm hoping that you and I, do you golf, Nate? I do a little bit. All right, sweet. Okay, so we need a foursome, all right? You, me, Boone Jenner, and Vincent Trocek. That <laughs> is my goal. I'm visualizing it. I'm using the law of attraction. <laughs> At some point in life, you and I will golf with Boone Jenner and Vincent Trocek. Book it! We're getting the biz, all right? I love golf, and I love those two gentlemen, all right? And I like you You've got much. a type there. Yeah, you know what? I, yeah, exactly. I, I want Cats League's beauties, all right? Yeah, that's... I don't, even, I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I just have this funny vision. I, you know, At some point, I will definitely – actually, on a recent pod, I said, if Boone Jenner and, and Vincent Trocek ever play on the same team, I'll get a tattoo of the team logo on my neck. <laughs> that's – yeah, that's – and that's recorded. That's out there. It's, that's, that's in my last couple episodes. So I stand Verbal by contract. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I stand by that. So, you know, anybody – if you you know, if you know Vincent Trocek or Boone Jenner – uh, just please send out some more messages. Let's, uh, you know, we Nate and I really want to be friends with those two guys. All right, they they seem like beauties, <laughs> and and we're beauties, and and you know, it's it's just a match, you know, made in fantasy heaven. Anyways, uh, yeah, I want to do one more player because we're getting a little long in the tooth. All right, so the last player I want to talk about is Yakavrana going to the Blues. Let's see what's up with this man. Um, yeah, uh, this is an interesting trade. Uh, Verona's obviously had, you know, his struggles this year. He was in the, the player assistance program, and um, that comes after a season where he uh, he really lit it up with Detroit when when he got there. You know, 19 points in 26 games um, for a 60-point pace. He, he was just doing a lot of things well, and I think people were excited about Verona. Uh, when he got there and then yeah he just has some personal issues and and obviously that takes precedence and you know just in terms of your play on the ice that can just affect everything right so he's not he's not himself he's you know so where where do you see Verana in St. Louis what do you like about it do, do you think it's a good move for St. Louis do you think he has any value moving forward on the season because I did read something that you know he's on his way to St. Louis already and he might play in their next game so what what I mean where are you at with Verana yeah, I'm pretty interested in Vrana, another one of these kind of advanced stats darlings who seems to never kind of figure it out with his coaches to get on the top power play and get on that top line and really kind of take off for fantasy purposes. Right. But definitely a guy who's, like if you look at the per 60 stats or the per minute stats, a guy who definitely pops in all facets, produces a ton of shots, a ton of scoring chances, and actually finishes them too. Like a lot of guys that we talk about, they get a lot of chances, but Vron is a guy who's actually shown that he can finish at a really high rate as well which is obviously pretty exciting. He goes to the Blues, who have nothing left to play for this season. They're clearly tearing it down. They've traded away their captain. They've traded away Tarasenko, um, their best player. So now they're just looking ahead to next season. Vrana's being basically brought in for an audition, so I don't see why they wouldn't give him a pretty solid audition role just to see what they have. He's got the pedigree of having scored plenty in the NHL before. So I think they're probably just going to let him ride. They'll give him a top six role. They'll give him power play one, I'd assume. Um, that's what I would do if I was them. I don't see any reason for them to just try to you know, throw him on the back of the lineup and see if he can play his way up. I want to see what I have if I go out and acquire a guy. That being said, they didn't, you know, it wasn't a, a huge ask. They only gave up, uh, what was it, Dylan McLaughlin and a seventh round pick in 2025. So uh, definitely not a not a huge return for the Red Wings there. Uh, part of that is due to the contract there too. He has a bit of a contract. Um, so 
overall, definitely excited about Verana. I think the Blues have every reason to play him a bunch, and he's a guy who has produced in the past, and I want to see if he can do it again. Yeah, I like that. Um, you know, Verana's my issue with him has always been ice time. You know, give give this man some deployment. Let 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 the man fly. Let's see what goes on. So and and personally, like I'm rooting for him. You know, you come back off the player assistance program, like you know, he's bounced around the Detroit organization at this point for whatever reason, right? We don't know the whole story or what what's actually going on with him. So it's nice to get a change of scenery here. I hope he's jacked up to get there. And yeah, this is a this is a an offensive player that could potentially be exciting, but he's going to need some opportunity, right? And and like he said, like you know, they didn't give up a lot to get him so are they really invested in giving him that time i don't know um but it must be so weird to be a gm like how do you value a seventh round pick in 2025 like are you just like yeah yeah just take my seventh round pick in 2025 you're like yep okay yeah well i wanted a six but i'll take a seventh you know it's like (laughs) what the hell are you talking about you know how how do they how do these guys do it i I don't know like it's just it blows my mind um when all these picks go actually before we go i did want to get your thoughts on tanner janot uh going to the the tampa bay lightning for like five picks what the hell was that (laughs) um i love tanner janot but in cats leagues it is what it, it just made no sense to me like what was your take on that that one there yeah, I think Jano is kind of the profile of the guy that the Lightning have gone for at each of the last few deadlines, a third line kind of guy who can yeah, tilt tilt the ice in his favor on the third line, uh, provides a big body who bangs a lot. A guy who scored a bunch of goals last year but had a totally outlandish shooting percentage and was due for a lot of the regression that's hit this year. Definitely not as bad as it's actually been this year for him. I think he's more of like a 15 goal scorer probably um, if everything evens out and his shooting percentage normalizes a bit. So definitely a guy who is rosterable in bangers cats because he's going to hit and he's going to hit a whole lot. Uh, But I don't see really a way in which he ascends the lineup. I think they have a few other guys that they'd prefer to move up the lineup and have moved up the lineup before. So I don't think he's a guy who's going to come off the third line and move up and be super fantasy relevant in terms of like point production, but definitely he'll provide you some hits and he'll do that portion of things for you. Yeah. Interesting player. I just, I thought that was a crazy haul. I mean, wow. You know, (laughs) nice work, Nashville, you know, like, uh, what is it? David Poyle. He's setting things up for Barry Trotz. I guess he's the new GM there. So this is, he's just stalking the cupboards. Like, here you go. Um, yeah, I don't know. That was a crazy trade to me. I like Tanner Janot though, but yeah, uh, cats leagues only anyways, that it let's, let's call it there. There's so many other trades to talk about. We'll, we'll get into it. Uh, Nate and I are going to do a pod on Sunday as well. on the apples and Geno's feed, we're going to talk about players that are performing well, players that are performing poorly, you know, maybe we'll get into some of this too if we have some time, but lots of trades. Um, I think we've kind of discussed the people that are the most valuable. Um, before I let you go, Nate, um, you know, and we've talked about this, of all the players we've talked about, I want to sort of identify one or two kind of ads that you're sort of leaning towards. And and when I say ads, I'm talking about, you know, priority based on, on their current play, the opportunity they're going to get, and then sort of their playoff schedule. And the default that I like to go to is weeks 22 to 24, because that seems to be when people's playoffs are. So I did just want to clarify that. I don't know. You got to who, who are your ads, Nate? What, who are you, what are you doing after this trade deadline? What moves did you make? Yeah. The people I'm most interested in would be Rasmus Sandin and Jakob Vrana. Um, when I think about guys that I want to pick up, 
I want to think about guys who have an opportunity to really exceed what I'm expecting of them or what they could do um, from a waiver wire uh, pickup. So at this point in in the season, if you're a playoff team, your roster is probably pretty set. You have your core pieces. You're looking for those guys who put you over the edge. You're looking for an upside play that gets hot at the right time and stays that way for the rest of the season and wins you the league, right? You're not looking for you know a steady Eddie guy who's going to provide you a half point per game and he's going to be okay in your lineup. You're looking for someone to actually move the needle for the rest of the season and you're willing to take that swing on a guy even if he flames out, then you're on to the next one, right? You're not you're not just going with the ho-hum guys. And so Sandine and Verona fit that bill for me because I do think Sandy gets that top power play. I do think he gets 20-plus minutes, and what he does with it is up for debate. Uh, if he can take that step and turn the advanced stats into some point production for us, we already know he's got the banger side of things down with the hits and the blocks. But I really think Sandine has an opportunity here with a new team. It was clear he kind of felt disrespected in Toronto and that he couldn't crack, you know, the top four essentially there. And so he goes to a team where they're going to give him that opportunity and he's got all the motivation in the world to make this work. Let's see if he can do it. So that's just kind of the storyline and the player archetype, I guess, that I want to bet on for fantasy. And so Sandine fits that really well. And then Vrana, a similar story, right? Goes to a team where they have nothing left to play for, but to see if this guy can be a part of their long-term plans. And so he's going to get every opportunity to prove himself in the last part of the season. St. Louis is one of these teams that has a pretty good schedule here. Weeks 22 through 24, 11 games played with four off nights. So they're a, he's a player that's going to fit into your lineup and he's going to get you some games played. And I think... I think he's got to be motivated, right? Like, this is it for him. Like, he's bounced around a little bit now. This is another team. He just got traded for a seventh-round pick. Like, if you're going to do something, now's the time, buddy, right? So he's he's motivated. The team's motivated to play him and see what they have. And so I like that kind of confluence of factors uh, moving towards Vrana potentially being a guy who steps up in the last part of the season here. Yeah, I love that. Those are strong ads for sure. Like, there's no question. And I love that bit about um, St. Louis too, just their playoff schedule. Like that just boosts Verona up as well, right? Um, you know, 15-minute Verona, that might be enough. You know, so let's let's see. 15 minutes with some power play time, that might be enough. But again, homework. You just got to check the box scores. How much ice time is Verona getting? Is How much time is he getting on the power play? You know, what what, what is your league format? Yeah, obviously, you know, he's a points league player, mostly. I don't think he's going to do much other than that. But yeah, I love that. My picks are um, just an obvious one. Uh, Jacob Tr- uh, Chikrin or Jakob Chikrin, you got to roster him. He's 74% rostered. I've had lots of questions, so that's why I'm throwing that in there. This guy's must roster. Get him in your lineup ASAP, okay? Um, but my my pick that I really like is, I, I spoke about him earlier, Yusuf Alamaki. I think um, this this is just a, this is an under the, uh, you know, under the radar kind of player that um, I think, you know, first off is available. Like he's out there. Um and he's going to get all the minutes there. Um, you know, this is a, an example of a really bad team with not a lot of players to, to do stuff there, right? So, you know, you take it with a grain of salt, but he's going to get a ton of minutes. Like, his deployment is well over 20 minutes each night. You know, he played just under 24 last night, and we'll see where he's at tonight. Uh, they're currently getting pumped by uh, Carolina 2-0, uh, but, uh, you know, it's only in the second. Valimaki's just got to have an energy drink, and then and he'll, he'll get the biz, you know what I mean? He'll just start you know, ripping, ripping slappers. All right. But uh, yeah, two goals, 20 assists on the season. He's power play one. 
you know, Arizona's core hasn't changed that much. Um, yeah, obviously they lost Gosses Bear and Chikrin, but those guys were out already when Valamaki was sort of succeeding, right? So Schmaltz was in tonight. That's excellent. That's good news. You got Schmaltz, you got Keller, you got Krause, you got Barrett Hayton. These guys can put up some points, right? And they're, you know, uh, teams are taking them light. So, you know, I don't know if you're, like if you've noticed this when you play hockey, uh, Nate, but when you play a team that's that's not so good, you're like, oh, sweet, it's a points night. And mentally, <laughs> you know, you're you're maybe not there. And I think I think the Coyotes kind of take advantage of that sometimes. They come in and surprise people. Plus, they got some good goaltending with Vimelka and uh, Connor Ingram. So, you know, things aren't terrible in Arizona. I mean, they're terrible. Uh, let's okay, no, they're terrible. But they, <laughs> they do have some. They do have a, a few pieces there. You know what I mean? But like. Get them out of that rinky dinks, you know, uh, stadium. What the, you know, this is this is a debacle. But anyways, Yusuf Alamaki, that's my guy. Book it, Norse Trophy, uh, in ten years. All right, that's uh, yeah. Check check with me in ten years. Yusuf Alamaki is going to have a Norris Trophy on the shelf. All right, Nate, you agree with me on this? Uh, I'm going to leave that take to you, but yeah, there you go. Okay. That's, that's fine. That's that, you know, it's a bit of a hot take, but that, you know, no one will remember this. That's why I gave the 10 year, uh, you know, uh, timeline there. Um, so I like Yusuf Alamaki and then I do like Corpus Allo as well, just for an upside play. Um, because I like the Kings They're They're in a dog fight here just to keep their spot and, you know, move up potentially. And they're playing well right now. Um, Kopitar's, you know, ripping it. Um, Kempe has had stretches in the season where he's just going off. And um, obviously they got second half Fiala. He's been activated. So, you know, he's not really doing that very much lately, but you know, it'll be back. All right. He's, he's second half, second half, uh, you know, Fiala. Right? <laughs> that, that's been activated. So I like the Kings and I like Corpus Allo, just, you know, the way he's been playing recently. I think it's a great trade for the Kings for next year, especially, but I, I do think he's going to get some run this year. I hope so. And uh, that's that's my take on that. So, anywho, those are our ads. Get to biz. I mean, they're not must-ads, all right? You, well, we're saying they're must-ads, but you, it's got to make sense for your team, right? That's the caveat. Don't just go out and add these players. You know, you got to make – it's got to make sense for your team. If you need any help, hit me up on Twitter, at Blake Creamer SE. Hit up Nate. He's at Apple's Genos, all right? We'll answer your questions. Come on. we That's what we like to do. All right. You know, so um, hit us up on Twitter. Get in the discords. All right. The Apples and Genos discord link in the description. The Fantasy NHL discord link in the description. Get your buns in there. All right. We, we you know, I'm lonely. I need some, I need some people in there. Nate, actually, you haven't joined yet, Nate. And that's very hurtful to me. Um, you know, you need to like, come on. What are you doing? Give, I'll give rectify me, that. They, oh, there you go. That's a verbal contract right there. Nate, yeah, that this that's not being edited out. All right, that's a verbal contract confirmed. All right. So, well, that's all we have for the show, everyone. Uh, I want to thank you very much, Nate, for your time and just being such a beauty, all right, and helping us find some value in this mess of a trade deadline. Um, Nate, uh, I'll give you the last word here, and then I'll give my outro. Um, yeah, just on the trade deadline and everything, thanks so much for coming. Well, what do you have to say for yourself? Yeah, thanks for reach it out and making this happen it's kind of cool to do this kind of uh crossover episode with you here and definitely looking forward to seeing if any of our picks can come through for us for the rest of the season that's right just don't don't uh you know check me on that that uh 10-year valamaki norris take all right that's <laughs> that's you know well i'll remember if it happens though right i'll definitely be be uh be bringing that up for people but anyways thanks so I much put for it your in time, my Nate. google calendar okay and that's that's really unnecessary i, I don't know <laughs> yeah imagine all 10 years from now you're like 
what the hell is this? I don't know. Yusuf Alamaki probably retires next year with a knee injury. Blows his <laughs> but I uh, hope that doesn't happen. Knock on wood. Come on. Um, anyways, thanks so much for your time, Nate. Everyone go check out Apples and Genos. If you haven't already, you got to go over and subscribe and, you know, just, just do what you need to do. Um, thanks again, everybody. If you need me, find, you know where to find me. Celebrate your day. Bye for now. A rational explanation is hardly necessary.